0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Brown Woman Health Podcast. Thank you for tuning in into our second season. And today's episode, we are going to be talking about um, setting boundaries as daughters with a special guest, Manvir from Ladlia. Uh, And thank you so
1: much for being on our show today, Manvir. Can you just introduce yourself a little bit for our listeners? Sure. Thanks for having me, Amik. Hi, everyone who's listening. My name is Manvir Bangu and I'm the uh, founder of LaDlia Celebrating and Empowering Daughters. Um, and I've been doing this work for about seven years now. So can
0: you just tell us a little bit about LaDlia? What does the word mean and a
1: little bit of information about your work? Sure. So LaDlia is a nonprofit organization based out of Brampton, Ontario. Um, it started off as a Facebook page uh, when I was around 21 years old. Um, I knew I wanted to do something around, you know, the issues that impact um, women, girls, daughters, um, issues that were something You know, some things that I had experienced growing up uh, in a Punjabi household, um, in a Punjabi community and things like that. So that's kind of where it started. uh, But over time, it has become an incorporated nonprofit organization. um, And, you know, it's been it's been slowly growing um, and lots of people have been involved over the last seven to eight years now. Uh, The word Laglia means daughters and there's no direct translation for it, but it's something that... um, you know, my mom is the one that inspired me around the name because she has two daughters, um, myself and my sister. And we also have an older brother. But that was something that she's always referred to us as uh, her lagnia. And I you know, I just it's such a positive word. It's such a sweet word. And I think it's kind of my hope with this title or this, you know, this name for the organization was to um, remind people of of the value of daughters and how important they are and, you know, um, what they mean in our community and and in our families, so that's kind of where it started and what it is. I, I I'm also from a Punjabi
0: household, and I think whenever I hear that term, it's very endearing. Yeah. So I loved that name, and whenever I when I saw your page, I like instantly smiled because I loved just the term that was being used. So
1: where exactly are you based? So, like I mentioned, we are in Brampton, Ontario, so that's uh, within the Greater Toronto area. However, a lot of our programming, we're in the Brampton area because that's where I'm from, that's where I grew up, um, and that's where a lot of my focus has been with my work. But a lot of our programming, you know, expands beyond, across Canada, and I would say even across the globe now, thanks to, you know, virtual programming that we're able to offer Um, But most of our in-person sessions are taking place um, or do take place um, pre-pandemic and post-pandemic in Brampton or surrounding cities such as Mississauga, Caledon or Toronto. So
0: what are some of the initiatives that you do run pre-pandemic and pre-pandemic or during the pandemic? And also what are some plans, I guess, post-pandemic? So it's a packed question.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, like I mentioned, I think, um, you know, when I think back to why I started the the, it was really around... um, raising more awareness around issues such as female feticide and female infanticide. And this was something that I was hearing a lot from stories, you know, from relatives back home. And I think growing up, you, you heard comments, you heard, you know, stories of of, of how families reacted or how community members reacted when someone had um, a daughter or more than one daughter and, you know, or a family with only daughters. So I think those things always stuck around with me and, and, you know, that's kind of where the work started and how it started. And a lot of our work, um, you know, involves doing research in the community around what are the community's needs? How is son preference, for example, impacting daughters and sons, you know, and families in general? Um, and we've had the opportunity to do some really great research with a big hospital in Toronto it's called St. Michael's Hospital um, with other community partners looking at um, how, you know, how families participate um, in son preference and sex selective abortions and how that really, you know, when you, when you, Unpack that how that impacts mothers, grandmothers, you know, just women and girls in our community, the largely of our community. Um, so that's one chunk of you know the work that we do, um, and and a lot of advocacy work, a lot of um, awareness work as well, um, and some of the programs that we have that are running constantly, um, even throughout the pandemic, we've been very lucky to have um, the opportunity to pivot our programming online. Um, we have a really beautiful program called BG and Me, and this program is for you know South Asian grandmothers and granddaughters. Um, and and it was a result of the research that I just spoke about, because in that research, we had spoken to grandmothers and we found that some of the most negative comments made by by women were by grandmothers around having, you know, granddaughters. And, you know, you saw this on preference really, really um, up close. I was in those focus groups with those grandmothers and it was really heartbreaking. And I've never had the opportunity to really see my grandma, my both my grandmothers, but I hear that, you know, if they were alive, they would have been very happy and they would have been very supportive of everything that my sister and I want to do. Um, so that's kind of where, you know, that program came. I, I, I realized that there's a there's a need for us to create more intergenerational co- co- communication and conversation between those two generations. So that's kind of where that started. Um, and then we have a program called Ladli to Ladli, which is a mentorship program we started. Um, and, that's, and that's a program that's, you know, rooted in the concept of, Having adult allies in the community, having older sisters in the community looking out for you, a lot of us who belong to immigrant households didn't have parents who could navigate, you know, the academic system for us. The they couldn't navigate the professional world for us. Um, a lot of them just came here and, you know, just had to fend for themselves and survive. And they didn't know which university their kids should go to, or hey, if your kid wants to take a gap year, it's not the end of the world. Um, and I think those types of questions, you know, those are things that I I struggled with in high school and. Um, and I know like a lot of my friends and a lot of us at Ladnia, those are, those are conversations we have often just around, we wish we had more guidance. And that's what we want to create for the younger sisters in the community. Um, so this is a one-on-one mentorship program. We pair you up with a mentor in your desired field, uh, academic field or professional field or multiple, because I know people are still figuring out what they want to do. Um, so it's a really neat program. And it's also all across Canada. Um, and we have, uh, we've we've facilitated quite a few um Relationships uh, or connections in the in the last couple of uh, in the last year, I would say, um, and then we have a a really needed program recently uh, called Udadi, um, and Udadi means leap. It's a Punjabi word for leap, and this is a program we created for international student sisters who are here um, alone without a support system and really, you know, have had to struggle throughout the pandemic. Um, and that's you know, this idea came to us that they need support. They need they need a support system and they need somewhere where they can go. So, you know, through this program, we connect them with resources in the community, whether that's um, legal resources, um, academic resources, food, um, rent support, whatever it is that they may need, uh, mental health support, sexual health support. um, And that's been growing as well. And another one of our core initiatives is the Largely Care Package, which is super close to my heart. Um, And that is a care package we created to raise awareness about period poverty um, within the region that we're situated in, which is called Peel Region, and this package, it's you know, it's a package of uh, six products. Um, it includes menstrual hygiene products, so we have pads or tampons, we have soap, uh, shampoo, toothbrushes, toothpaste, uh, and deodorant, and it's it's a package that we put together, uh, and it costs about twenty dollars. Um, so a community member can come on our website and donate for that package. And we every month go to the store, put together all these packages, and we donate them to a local food bank called Seva Food Bank, um, which is a beautiful initiative in our community. Um, and they, you know, then are able to give these packages out to those who need the most. And the reason this idea came to me was because Seva Food Bank, it's it's a, you know, it's a sick, um, it's a sick food bank. It was based on the principles of Sikhi. Um, but we noticed that community members love to you know donate food there and they love donating diapers but nobody was donating pads or tampons and that was a real need you know and it's always going to be a real need in the community so they were really struggling with those donations and up till date we've donated over 2500 care packages to them and it's something that we take a lot of pride in you know to 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 be able to know that every month we can deliver those and have people who need them you know access them without any questions asked um, so that's just a gist of, of some of the work that we're doing, as well as some more research that's under un, under underway as well. To any Canadian listeners, like definitely join like the
0: mentorship program that you mentioned as well. Um, I think it's amazing that you have that, and I know. I have a cousin in Brampton and I was trying to help from the U.S. with navigating high school and I was so confused, yeah. not gonna lie. <laughs> so it's really, really, it's really different. Um, And it's also so important to have that sort of mentorship. I think also like for me being the oldest sibling in my household and like also being very confused on like how do I get through high school, how do I get through college? Mentorship's been so important and especially mentorship coming from like the Punjabi community or sometimes even like the Sikh community um, has been really helpful for me it's very personal advice people get you a little bit better sometimes and it's it's just great to see that sort of work that you're doing that's like uplifting um, community and also international students I think period poverty and a question that I also had for you um, we see that we talk a lot about how for example in India like menstruation stigmatized Um, no one talks about it like sometimes girls like they get their period and they think something's wrong, like they didn't even know to expect it, right? So when you're talking about, like, donating uh, pads or tampons to the Save a Food Bank, do you think a part of that comes from sort of stigmatizing periods that, like, no one's donated that before? Or, like, do you, do you see that stigma still in Canada
1: when you're doing the work that you're doing? For sure, I think it's it's you know it's there. It's definitely there. Um, I think people aren't even considering that this is an essential item, just like dal, or flour, or, um, you know, veggies that they're donating. Even diapers. I mean, if you go into save a food bank, you'll see the stacks of diapers they have. You know, and it's while that's essentially important, I think it, you know just considering that there might be people coming here who just like they can't afford groceries, they also may not be able to afford pads or tampons. And that's going to be something that might, you know, um, cause them harm or, or, you know, uh, put them behind. Um, and I think, you know, even, even things like toothpaste and toothbrush, that's a little bit more obvious to to the regular average donor. But um, I think that's something that we've seen. Um, I think, you know, even unfortunately as, As brown girls ourselves, I think we've fallen into that trap to hide hide all of that a little bit growing up as well and not talk about it so openly. But we're really trying to make it more more of a conversation, more of a natural conversation. And, you know, before the pandemic, we would have these packaging parties where we would get everybody together to come package them with us. And it was a lot of fun just getting, you know, we would have like drives where people would just drop them off and um, their donations would then be packaged and everybody was welcome to come package them with us. And we made it an event and we're really looking forward to going back to that. Hopefully, you know, maybe this winter Um, and we do it around holiday season because we know, know the need is so much higher um Mm -hmm. so we're you know we we've tried to celebrate any any part of being a girl or a woman or being a ladli we try to celebrate that we try to empower um women and not I mean not just women and girls we try to empower families and even the boys and men as well right to take part in that and yeah sometimes my dad goes with me to pick up these packages right and my parents will package them for me and it's it's really great to see that slowly we're trying to you know trying to make it what it is it's just it's just a natural thing that happens um, I love how you call it package parties i really just celebrates yeah. the
0: whole like idea of menstruation and pads and all of that like I think just packing them together like you start talking about them too like I know with with my friends like once we talked about like something related to menstruation and then you just once you start you like start talking about it more yeah. and we started talking about like very like Random symptoms and all, of that. and I thought that was such a cool conversation to have because, like, as South Asian women, we're told not to tell people sometimes, or like, it's just not something you openly have discourse about. And uh, another question was just the idea of period poverty in, in the Peel region, for example. I know in the U.S., there's this whole movement called Pink Tax, and it's like. Uh, like period products are taxed as if they're like, you know, some sort of luxury product when they're really not, as you said, it's a basic need. So is that also the case
1: there? Um, we do have to pay tax on them. Uh, we pay tax on everything <laughs> in Canada um, or at least in Ontario. Um, but mm-hmm. I know there's a lot more advocacy happening around um, having them available within schools, you know, just within individual um, districts that that are um, within the community to, to make them available for anyone who needs them free of cost, um, just like we would have mm-hmm. other items like condoms available for free, right? And I think that's something that there we're really trying to push. And I, definitely more work needs to be done. And um, but I do know of some other grassroots organizations that are taking this to our council and and you know bringing that up there and really making a case for it, which is great. But um, yeah, I think we still have a little bit you know of a way to go when before that happens. Uh, Because again, like it's, it's a need. It's not even a want, right? It's, it's what we have to do. So, um, yeah, yeah. I know you talked a little bit earlier
0: about the intergenerational gaps um, that exist, especially in our communities, when it comes to, you know, the treatment of women. Um, uh, And so, and I was also looking at like the infographic you put up about the research that you've done um, about like the sun preference study. So do you want to share a little bit about or expand a little bit more about the findings and how was that research process, like just going about it and communicating and getting all of this research and insights from, you know, different generations
1: of our community? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, when, I mean, going into that research project, I, I kind of had an idea of what types of things I was going to hear. You know, you belong to this community. Uh, you've obviously grown up here, you know, um, you know, you know, the kinds of situations that families are in, you know, the kinds of traumas we have, you know, our history. So, you know, all of that and you're going in with that. But I think this was yeah. the one time and, and I've done quite a lot of different research projects throughout my you know, short life. Uh, but this <laughs> is this was one of the research projects that I've actually cried sitting in those focus groups. You know, um, wow. we heard such sad, disturbing things about, you know, daughters or or female fetuses that, and it was just so heartbreaking to know that someone wasn't given a chance even to come to come into this world because of the gender that they were going to be. Right. And, yeah. and in just, just to like think about the implications that that has on us as a community, as a society and even individual families, it's, it's so heartbreaking. Um, we had focus groups with mothers. We had focus groups with fathers and um, grandmothers and, you know, and, one thing that was really troubling to me was that a lot of the, a lot of the seniors that we spoke with, a lot of the grandmothers, they felt the need to hide. You know, they didn't openly admit that I I preferred to have a grandson over a granddaughter. It was there was always othering. She so and so did it, not me. So and so did it. I know so and so who t- did this. I know so and so who took her daughter in law back to India and made her get an abortion. Um. And, it, it, you know, it was just like that. No one is willing to accept that we are a part of the problem, that we are we may be the ones to make comments when a daughter is born. We may be the one, make, you know, so many of us. I, and I'm sure you can talk to any, any at least any girl around me that, you know, they, they could tell you the kinds of comments they've heard upon, you know, the birth of a daughter within a family or their own birth or their own, you know, just their during their lifetime. Um yeah. So those were some findings, but they weren't necessarily, you know, new findings. Um, uh, some of the things that we really, you know, that really opened my eyes were the, the extent to which someone will go to have a son. Um, and, you know, the types of medicines they'll take, the types of remedies, the types of rituals they may participate in, and how that really puts the mother's health at risk, uh, which is not even talked mm-hmm. about, right? And that's not talked about. It's not um maternal health and well-being is just completely ignored. Um, and, and, you know, how, and, and also the idea of family planning, when we're talking about family planning, you know, who, who is involved in that? Is it everybody but the mother? And, you know, is it like, who is involved And you know, in, in, you know, our, our culture is a very collectivist culture, you know, we are not individualistic. And so sometimes mothers-in-law, sisters-in-law fathers and extended family, I think all of those, those people's voices are included when we're planning for our family, um, and it's not a nuclear family, so to speak, right? So um, those were some of the findings that also came up. And, and this infographic that we created, we did this in Punjabi Hindi as well as English, was really to just educate people on, hey, you know, it's not actually the woman who decides what, what gender she gives birth to. Uh, it's not up to her. Yeah. And a lot of women didn't know this. A lot of these grandmothers that we were speaking with didn't know this, right? And and another mm-hmm. finding, that, which was, not again, not surprising because, you know, I, I, I've been reading about this for years was that it wasn't just the uneducated family, quote unquote, that was doing this, right? It was people who were highly educated, people who had lots of financial means, people who were well, you know, they were well-to-do families, and they were the ones that were taking part in this type of, um, you know, sex selection and and whatnot. And, um, you know, we heard really heartbreaking stories around what happened to women who refused uh, to do so. Um, And one of the, yeah, yeah, you know, and those stories have never left me. Those just, they're just stories that you carry with you every day. Like, I just, I remember myself just, you know, one, one auntie, one of the grandmothers had actually said, um, my daughter-in-law gave birth to three daughters and ended my family lineage. She gave, she referred to her three granddaughters as stones because stones can't produce further. Stones are non-living things. And, you know, to me, that just crushed me because, like, I, I don't even want to imagine. And so, you know, I've made it my life's purpose to talk about these things and, and to really bring forth, you know, positive examples of what daughters can be, because I, I don't know where this old notion of, you know, daughters are a burden. And st- I just don't know when we're going to get over that. And especially in today's day and age.
0: No, and I think there's just so much trauma that's associated, like, you know, being that granddaughter who is yeah. being called like a stone or just, be it's, it's insinuated to that that girl that you know you're you're a burden in some sort of way or you know like we wanted a son not you and I think there's so much trauma that's associated with that. I've been in conversations and not with with people of my own generation where people have been crying about their treatment as um, like that. And it is just it's so it's so it hurts. And I think another thing was just I remember Way back, there used to be a statistic about infanticide, specifically in like Punjab, and it it really hurts seeing that like people don't want to have female like children. And it, this is so important, and I think it really does still translate when we come to a different country. Like these values are not just you know in India; they immigrate along with immigrants. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just important. And I think another thing was even what you're saying about how how a woman doesn't determine the gender the sex of her child like that something I learned in biology class in like um I have to say high school so I thought it was common knowledge and then one of my university friends literally two days ago was like oh my god did you know this and I was I was like yeah I thought this was common knowledge so even with our generation people don't really realize that stuff and in general I think it's so wrong to not care about a mother's health and yeah. prioritize, you know, the child um, and, and sex, the child, as well as just like, you know, just not caring about the mother who's going through like pregnancy, going through a lot of different hormonal changes, um, physical changes. Uh, and because of that, another issue we commonly see with the South Asian community is postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And um, that is also heavily stigmatized. And that's one of the first issues that we saw with stories that we got on our page for Brown Woman Health, there was a really major case of postpartum depression, and I, I remember reading that, and I was like, wow, like, we really don't prioritize, you know, a mother's care sometimes, and it's really important to do that, um, but yeah. I think it's so important to celebrate daughters as well, and something that also I remembered was there was this project, like, it's called, like, Think London Project, and I'm sure you know about yeah. this, but... Uh, I just found it so beautiful the way they celebrate, I think it's UK based, yes. but they um, have pink laddus when
1: a, a female is born in a household and I was like, that's so cute. You, when you're celebrated, you remember that, you take that with you. Right. When you're put down, you remember that and you take that with you. And I think it does wonders to a girl's confidence and her self-esteem, you know, from a young age, if she mm-hmm. is reminded that she celebrated, you know, what can you not achieve if you're told that you're, you know, you're a rock star and I think this is a yeah. privilege that a lot of our brothers in the community have. You know, they can do bare minimum and be rock stars. And we're here doing everything and still being told we're not enough. And I think it's about time that we yeah. shift that narrative. And, you know, it's it's on us as well as as girls and women, as as daughters, as Lodnia, to to celebrate the women around us, to celebrate the daughters around us, no matter how small, how big that victory is. You know, every day mm-hmm. should be a celebration because, you know, you have so much potential. It just, it makes me so happy when, you know, other girls and other women are doing something and, and trying to carve a path so that my daughter may have, you know, less burdens or less um, problems or challenges that she grows up and walks, walks life. Um, and yeah. that, I think that's just, that's, you know, like essentially that's the goal of, of everything that we do. And I think you, you're doing it in such an amazing way with the different mentorship
0: programs, as well as like the program that you mentioned, with that addresses that intergenerational gap. So I think, yeah, I, I wish and there was something similar to this in the U.S. as well. But uh, I guess this is the one time I can say like Canada. <laughs> I think this kind of ties into the next part of this conversation um, and the concept of boundaries. So from what you've seen in the work that you've been doing with uh, young young females, um, what are some of the boundaries that you see are not being set or the most common things that should be being set in our community, if that makes sense? <laughs>
1: yeah, I think um, a lot of us, um, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not as young as I was before, but I think a lot of the younger girls in our community, a lot of the younger daughters, um, you know, especially those that may be the first daughters or the, the older siblings, I think we have a mm-hmm. hard time saying no. Um, and I think that right. that's because a lot of us are expected to do a lot of things. And for us, you know, the definition of being a good girl is someone who always says yes to her parents, who, who, you know, gives when she's asked to give, who doesn't complain, who doesn't have any, uh, you know, who, who puts everybody before her. And I think, you know, I've, I've been victim to that. And I'm sure so many other girls and women who are listening have been victims to that. And I think, and, I mean, not victim as in like we've been traumatized by, but I think it really does have a. It has an impact on you know on your well being and and your own goals and your own desires for yourself. Um, I still catch myself doing it, you know. Today, I think um, it, it impacts the friendships that you have. It impacts yeah. the relationships that you have, your partners, um, who you know what you want to do with your life and how far you're willing to go and experience other things because um, you know you feel guilty because now you may be leaving somebody behind. I think those those types of things are definitely um, some of the some of the boundary issues that come up when we talk to daughters and, um, you know, not trying to upset anybody and and always trying to make them proud of you, always having to work a little bit extra hard because, you know, you really want them to see, um, you know, what you're what you're worth. And and I think it, again, just goes back to like not being celebrated enough or being told that you are good enough Um, and. I think another another boundary and this I think slowly, you know, we're getting better at this is just um, being clear about your, you know, your triggers, being clear about your traumas, being clear about your capacity. And like we actually just had a workshop on this yesterday with with young girls. Um, And I think it's, you know, we look at our moms, we look at our we look at our aunts, we look at our grandmothers and they just did. They just did, 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 did. And, you know, and that's what a lot of us learn from a young age. You just do, 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 do. And that's it. You know, you just cook, you clean. You also go to work. You also go to school. You know, you also have to look pretty. You also have to be respectful. You can't have a day off. You can't be mad. You can't have mental health problems. You know, you just have to be everything that everybody wants from you. So I think trying to unpack that. And I think, again, like I said, a lot of girls are now learning how to do that in a healthy way. Um, And I think maybe when I was in high school, it wasn't so healthy. Girls were doing it in very unhealthy ways. Right. And it wasn't, um, they also didn't know how else to do it. Um, But I think Mm -hmm. now we have enough, you know, um, support in the community. We have organizations like LARLIA that can help you navigate those challenges, um, you know, on how can you not repeat the same mistakes that were, you know, mistakes, because they were mistakes, because, you know, yes, your mom did it all, but that doesn't mean she was always right, and that it wasn't always the best thing for her to do, Um, so I think, I think just setting boundaries in terms of what are, what is your capacity, what are you able to do, and what are you not able to do, and and it's okay if you can't do it all, you don't have to be Mm -hmm. superwoman, and I, and I know I'm saying this, and I'm contradicting myself, because I, until this day, I still feel the need to do it all, and, and to be superwoman, because that's just, you know, how I was, I've always been, and I don't want to let anybody down. Not a single person needs to be let down. Um, But I think just understanding that, hey, this is not for me, and maybe today Mm -hmm. I cannot do this, and that's okay. I'm still doing enough, and that's okay. Um and, and you know, we can also talk about healthy relationships. Um, just boundaries that girls should be setting in healthy relationships, but that's a whole nother kind of word.
0: You use the word superwoman and I was thinking that in my head too, because we think of superwoman and we think like that means you have to be able to be able to do it all. Yeah. Um, and I think we have to break out of that because that's really not what it means. It's being able to set boundaries and not, you know, overextending yourself yeah. because there's just so much that comes with that like sometimes you don't realize in the moment how much your health is being affected by it um so it's really important and then what you're saying about just like healthy relationships as well I think that that is a whole other conversation but yeah with with setting boundaries that's also really important I think with our generation something that's really interesting is as as, you know uh young young girls in a community we look usually look up to our parents or our family members for an idea of like you know how to live like how to you know navigate all that stuff but those are not sometimes good examples um so I think it really just it's just really important to have I think the mentorship program for example that you don't have
1: like that's so important because you get you're able to get that sort of like healthy advice you know it's also very important to see that there are other ways of doing things I think when yeah. we are in our families and that's where we've grown up and that's where we've always been, a lot of us may have been sheltered, you know, until we go to university or we we move out. Um, I think we don't know that there's a different way of doing things, right? And um, mm-hmm. ideas like mentorship or just guidance or networking, they really open up your world to other ways and other, other successful ways. You know, yes, there's always the wrong way of doing things and there's multiple ways of doing both. But I think it just opens you up to how to, you know, you know okay okay if that person can do it and she looks like me how can I do Mm -hmm. it right you know and just like how can I set these boundaries for myself that will impact me in a positive Mm -hmm. way in the long term as well seriously wish I had more mentors coming up too, um and and not just like
0: academic and professional mentors because like I think that's like easier to find but even just for like things like personal yeah like ways of living and setting boundaries for example and then you were also reminding me of the idea of like saying hard is no because I think a lot of us are built to be people pleasers and it's like for me like I try to set a boundary I remember like last week and when I did it I was like she's gonna hate me like whatever like it, it's still it's so hard to set them still because you know you have to set them you know you have to say no but at the same time it's like how do I break out of how, how they're gonna yeah
1: see that. Um, So what tips do you have for setting boundaries? Um, I would, and I, I, you know, I'm saying this, and I'm sure people are laughing at me as I'm saying this, people who know me. Um, I think (laughs) the first tip is to put yourself first. Um, Because if you don't know, you know, what, what is good for you, what is bad for you, there is no other, like, there's no point in any boundary. Um, And like, you use the word people pleaser. And um, I always get called out for it, you know, especially by my, you know, partner. And he's always saying, you know, you're just saying yes, because you want to please me. And I, I'm like, no, no, I really want to do this. But I'm, I'm not, you know, I may not be really convinced. But and and I see how that happens. And so, you know, in that moment, I would assess, is this what I want? Or is this what I'm doing, because so and so wants it. So I think putting yeah. yourself in the middle and, and, and analyzing the situation to see, is this something that's going to benefit me or the other person? Is this something I'm going to mm-hmm. be happy doing? Or, you know, or I'm not going to be like happy doing. And I think, yeah, also, are like your mental health is so important and you know it's something that we again like it's not talked about enough it wasn't talked about enough when we were growing up and i think just to be able to understand okay what is going to impact me mentally that's going to stop me from doing the thing i need to wake up tomorrow and do and like if if you know saying no to a friend because they might be asking you for too much right now if that's what it is you have to learn how to do it and yes you may feel guilty and i'm sure when you said no to your friend you felt guilty but you know it's probably the best thing for you and Unfortunately, you know, we have been taught to be selfless and mm-hmm. and I, I'm not saying be selfish in a way that is rude or, you know, um, degrading towards someone, but we have to put ourselves first. And like they say, you can't pour from an empty cup and, uh, yeah. you know, and, and, and do it in a way that's not, that, that's not hurtful to the other person. And I think if someone is around you and they're unable to understand why you want to space or why you want to do something a certain way or why you can't do something um you know then maybe they're not the right person to be around you and i know a lot of times you know brown girls have issues that only other brown girls can understand and i know growing up you know a lot of other kids could do things that we couldn't um and you know it's it it it, it works out in a way that they almost make fun of you for it oh you know what do you mean you can't come out or what do you mean you can't wear that uh, why do you have to eat that for lunch type of thing But, you know, just understand that this is if you're choosing to do that, obviously, sometimes we don't have control over what are, you know, when we're younger, if our parents tell you, you can't go outside, you can't go outside. Um, But as you're getting older, just understanding how to have these conversations in a productive way that is uh, clear and and explaining to your parents why you need certain boundaries in place. Um, I mean, I don't even know, you know, if explaining the word boundaries would make sense for a lot of uh, South Asian or Punjabi parents, but Uh, I think those are things that, these are cycles that we have to break at this, at this, uh, for this generation, right? And we can't, we can't keep um, going in circles, or else we're never going to be a healthy community or society going forward.
0: Right, no, I think, and then one way is, like, I remember I googled a while ago, like, how do you set boundaries? And I got this advice, um, which, which was like, oh, if you can't say no, just postpone it to another day. And then I was talking to someone about it a couple of days ago and that that's really not what you should do actually you should be very clear-cut like no like actually set those boundaries instead of being in like a gray area for them I think that's just so important as well and so Google was not the best place for an answer this one time um <laughs> but I think that that was something I learned and I was like that that's so true and then another thing was like when you if you're nervous about approaching like a parent about boundaries uh, it's good to like visualize it and like understand how you're feeling and then after visualizing it try it because then you kind of can predict um how it's going to go in a sense i thought that was interesting and something i'm going to be trying out um but
1: yeah, and also, also thinking about you know why why do you want to set a boundary for yourself? I think yeah. a lot of the times, I mean, our parents are not our enemies, right? I think they're they're just looking out for us, and they do it in a way that they know. Um, and mm-hmm. as you know, most of them, I mean, especially if we're talking about immigrant parents, they they grew up very differently than us. They did not grow up with this notion of privacy boundaries, mental health, you know. Um, it, it, it so it's not fair to expect that from them without them knowing what that what that means or what that requires on their end. So, I mean, I'm a true believer that parents can change and they can see things differently. You just have to provide them again with you know your reasoning behind it, your rationale, and and other. I like honestly, I think we lack this a lot of just positive role models or examples in the community that we can say, you know, so and so did it and they survived, so can I. Like this is why I need to do it, right? Um, yeah. and yeah, so I, I, yeah, I think there's definitely a way to do it. Um, but it's, it's not impossible. I think especially during the pandemic, like setting these boundaries are so important
0: because a lot of the times, like we don't really have spaces for ourselves at home and we, we are like kind of stuck in a sense. So, and it, especially I guess now, um, and also even post pandemic too, but, um, what are ways or tips or ideas that you have that are, you know, specific to parents to increase like our bonds with them? um, And also, while still being able to stand up for ourselves and setting the necessary boundaries we have to?
1: Yeah, I think before, I mean, you know, and I think my parents are a great example of this. They're also immigrant parents, you know, they're from Punjab, they came here, they had their kids, (laughs) they worked hard, um, you know, and like at one point they had a certain mindset and then over time I saw it change. I saw it change because we were able to introduce them to different things and and sports and just ways of life in Canada that, you know, they may not have been familiar with, but I also know others mm-hmm. who have also done that, but their parents have not changed. I, I personally, you know, I, I think we have to give them a little bit more credit. There's a lot that our parents sacrificed to, 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 to come here to be, to be here for us. And I know a lot of times, um, especially a lot of daughters experience a lot of, um, um, you know, mostly from, from fathers and things like that, just resentment towards fathers for not letting them do things and having to hide things from their dads or even sometimes even moms and, or living multiple lives. Um, And I think that's very, very harmful, right? Just having like three different lives that you live, one in front of friends, one in front of work people, one in front of family, um, and yeah. it's unfortunate, but that, that's, you know, that's been the truth for so many of us. Um, but I think one way that, you know, we can build relationships with our families, I'm sure there is something that you can do that would start a conversation. And I think it's mm-hmm. very easy to get frustrated in conversations and get defensive. And I I do it all the time. <laughs> and I, you know, those are things that, you know, we do. Um, but I think starting conversations on things that matter to the family and, and really, um, and again these conversations might just be new to the parents they just they don't know that they're supposed to have these conversations parenting you know at that time didn't come with a manual um, a lot of our parents may not have been ready to be parents but they were parents and um, so just you know giving them a little bit more credit for for what they've done um, and 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 try to bond from that maybe ask them stories about their childhoods and see how you can relate or connect um, you know they also had youth and and uh, a, a you know, a time in their life where they were young and free and wild, whatever that looked Mm -hmm. like. Um, so, you know, try to listen to them. And I think a lot of parents feel just like we may feel neglected from parents or uh, we may feel that parents are not interested in our lives. I'm sure they feel the same way. Right. Um, and the older we get, the more busier we get. So I think just making time and I know during the pandemic, like my family and I, we cooked a lot more. We, we, you know, sat down and actually had food a lot more. We, we do our evening walks together. Um, and um sharing sharing those little moments i think opens up you know um opens up the bigger conversations and um and just i mean there's so much out there now that we can use you know to to have conversations um as to, that we can use a converse, conversation starters i should say you know videos um educating your parents around um you know what racism means what oppression means and how and using examples from your own community like how maybe the Sikh community has been Uh, oppressed uh, and and continues to be oppressed, you know, how women were oppressed and how that impacts generations to come and why it's so important to break that cycle so we can thrive as a community um, in the future. Um, But yeah, I, I definitely think there's smaller steps we can take. Obviously, there's the big steps we can take. But I think just starting those smaller conversations is so important. And you'd be surprised at you know, if you like photography, you know, maybe ask your parents to pose for you. I don't know, just you know, why don't you photograph them and then see and maybe they might tell you a story about when they were younger and what their passions were. Um and I've seen it work. I've definitely seen it work. Also feel like sometimes you don't realize how the smallest things we just make a difference,
0: like yeah. the walks that you're mentioning. And I yeah, I love these ideas and tips. Um so my last question to you um is how can one get more involved with lobby work?
1: I love that question. Uh, We're always looking for mentors, uh, like I mentioned. So if you are in Canada for now, and then uh, hopefully, you know, we get we grow to a point where we can have this um, across the states as well. But if you are living in Canada, if you're working in Canada, if you go to school in Canada, uh, and you'd like to be a mentor or a mentee, um, we're also accepting mentees as well. Uh, Anyone who is 14 plus, and is either working, living or going to school in Canada, um, that's mm-hmm. all, you know, you you need to be, and you need to be interested in um, connecting with other girls and women who are from your community who can guide you. Um, and of course, the premise of that program is academic and professional career paths. But I think there's so much more, like you mentioned as well, Amique, like that we can learn from, you know, others, um, talk about just regular life stuff, everyday stuff. Um, so, you know, if you'd like to get involved in the Largely to mentorship program, that is one way you can do it. All of our programs are free of cost. Um, Another way you can be involved is you can donate a care package. Uh, One donation goes a long way, I can promise you. Um, We have monthly donors who donate $20 a month. And, um, you know, with that donation, we're able to Assure the food bank that you know this month you will be getting this many donations for sure. Um, you can also purchase some on gear. We have lots of Ladli merchandise. I'm actually wearing my shirt right now. Uh, but we have shirts that say the word Ladli on them, and Ladli is a singular form of Ladlia. Um, we have that for babies. We have it for uh, moms. It doesn't matter. Grandmothers. Anyone can wear our clothing. Um, and all proceeds from our merch goes back to our programming, and it's just put right back into the community. Um, and share your story with us. You know, I think um, the more positive examples of of Latvia that we can see in the community, the better it is. Um, So we feature um, a woman of the week on our page every, every week. Um, So if you'd like to be featured, you can connect with us and we'd love to share your story of how, you know, you as a, as a daughter um, have overcome some of the challenges in your life. Um, And um, there are other ways we have lots of, um, all of our programming, like I said, is virtual. So it's easy to join online, um, these days. So if you are interested in getting involved or attending anything upcoming, um, you can check out our website, which is www.laadlian.com, uh, slash events. Um, and yeah.
0: Yeah, no, and these are such amazing ways to get involved and I am super excited and I, We'll check them out as well um and so thank you so much for being on our show and the last thing that we like to do with our guests is this or that segment so it's a bit of a rapid fire and i'm going to ask you some this or that questions that have to do with um food um but in this case to make it a little bit more personal i'm going to ask you questions that have to do specifically with canada um so <laughs> um, so to start off um do you prefer Brampton
1: or Toronto Brampton (laughs) and why I grew up here this and I I work here full time and I'm so dedicated to the community that I live in um all of my you know yeah I just I'm just so passionate about this community and there's so much more I want to do here so Toronto's great the food scene is great but you know Brampton's so good yeah (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I would also,
0: I, I went to a buffet in Toronto, uh, Brampton, sorry, with like over 200 food items, something crazy like that. Which one was it? Hungry Flame? Yes, 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 yes. That's what it was. I was, I forgot the name. Going
1: off of that food, Tim Hortons or Starbucks? Oh, okay. I like Starbucks. I'm a Starbucks person. Yeah. Just because I, 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 I love my white chocolate mocha, so. Start yeah, I was going to ask for the drink. Yeah, yeah. I, I've tried the ice cap. Yes, that's our ice cap. Yeah, I, I'm into hot drinks. So I I, um, I mean, unless I'm just grabbing a quick, you know, coffee with cream and sugar, I then I go to Timmy's. But uh, we call it Timmy's here. But um, Starbucks oh. is where it is. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, Montreal or Niagara Falls? Ah. Uh, Niagara Falls never gets old. It's where a lot of memories are, going there as a kid with your family and your cousins, having picnics with Bronte. So Niagara Falls. Mm-hmm. Um, and going off of
0: more Canada questions, hockey or basketball?
1: Neither. I'm not into sports at all, I wish. Um, I, but when I need to be, I can sit with my family and pretend that I'm interested, but I don't care.
0: Oh, <laughs> I was going to ask if you liked the Raptors.
1: I have to like the Raptors because my whole family likes Raptors, but I could care less. i rather do my work. <laughs> yeah, I have to say I agree with that. Um,
0: and then the next thing is, I, when I think of Brampton, I think a lot about the YouTuber scene. So do you, are, are you, I guess, team Lily sing for Superwoman or just Rain? I guess these are very old YouTubers, but... Yeah, I mean, they're both
1: funny. Uh, I, I would say I was exposed to Lily first. My dad used to watch her videos when she first started, um, and I still find her hilarious. So, yeah, Lily.
0: <laughs> um, And then in terms of music Justin Bieber, Shawn Mendes or
1: Drake cuz all three are Canadian. I think. Oh, uh Drake, yeah. No, yeah. Drake or uh, sometimes Shawn Mendes, but I'm not a fan of either like crazy, but Drake. Uh uh-huh. yeah. What's your favorite Drake song? I have no favorite Drake song. <laughs> I'm a very boring um, person when it comes to all of this, trust me. Uh but <laughs> I, I I don't uh, I don't have a favorite song. I like I like his music. It's usually playing around me with Everybody that I'm around loves Drake. So, yeah.
0: Um, going off of that Punjabi music or like English music? Bollywood.
1: Bollywood music. Bollywood. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Who's who's your favorite singer? Do you have a favorite song? I, I have a favorite singer. I, he's actually not that well known. His name is Gilash Ker. Um Oh, he, yeah. Yeah. I love that guy. So, he has a song, daddy Divani. That's my favorite song. I love that song. Yeah. I think those are like out yeah. like his music yeah, it it's it's home yeah
0: yeah yeah uh and then now going off of some food questions gold Gappe
1: or um all day every day um jalebi or laddu jalebi laddu is just i don't like the texture jalebi jalebi's yeah that's delicious <laughs> um rajmachal or um, i don't even need you to ask me rajmachal all day every day every day of the week yeah mango lessy or normal lessy? mango lessy. mango also agree
0: with you <laughs> you're making me angry. I, right I, I always ask these questions and then I'll regret them like 10 yeah. minutes after I'll be like all oh, right now I really just want mango um but yeah those are all my questions for you um thank you so much for being on our podcast it was great meeting you as well and the work that Ladi doing is amazing I think the mentorship programs. I really wish one. I lived in Brampton. This is the one time I'll say it. I will not let my cousin hear this. Um, and two, I wish I had a mentorship program like this growing up as well. And like all the programming that you do is amazing. Uh, so thank you for the work that you're doing as well. And thank you for taking up the
1: time to be on our show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for wanting to hear about my work. It's so it's so nice to know that um, somebody wants to hear about it. And you know, it's it's impacting lives um which was exactly the the purpose behind it so thank you for having me and thank you for listening um and hopefully very soon we can have you know our programming outside of canada um and you know even touch more audience lives so that's the plan yeah yeah that that would be honestly so amazing um
0: but thank you again and i our listeners, make sure to check out Loudlina's website, their Instagram, Facebook pages. Um, And also, if you're not following Brad Women Health, make sure to follow our Instagram so you can engage more with our content. But thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time.